Hello and welcome to Gatsby Fridays, a show about getting the best out of a creative life from two creative directors working around the world and based in New York City. I'm your host, Sarah Semi. And I'm Alex Chimilio. Today we talk mentors and role models. We talk about the most memorable mentors and lessons learned. And at the end of each episode, we make a signature cocktail of toast. Cheers to you. So hang with us as we talk mentors and role models. I'm your host, Alex. And I'm Sarah. And, and this, this is Gatsby, Gatsby Fridays. Fridays. Sarah, before we get started into our conversation, let's do a check-in. How are you, and what are you wearing? I am feeling better than I thought I was going to, but compared to yesterday, um, I am excited to be doing this. It's almost like, it's not late at night, it's it's late in the evening, and then I have another call right after this, and I'm like, okay, we're back to grad school. <laughs> Um, the client's in LA so 8pm call for me is 5pm for them but that means like if I'm here at 8 I have to take the call in the office at 8pm which is like oh my god like I I like this it it puts me out of my comfort zone it doesn't end though it doesn't no it does it's not a never ending project it's a one off project and then you know eventually it was up to me we could have recorded at 4 and then be home by then it wasn't that crucial clearly because we're still here but moving from one thing to another, and now you're here, and now there's yet another thing to do. Oh, yeah, the, the, the to-do list never ends, which yes. is why I thought I would be a little more, like, down today, but um, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I could complain till the end of time and whine <laughs> about it, but I don't think it's, the, this, I don't have, I have nothing to complain about. I'm healthy, everyone I love is healthy, I have work to do, which means for a freelance person, having multiple projects to juggle is a problem that we should cherish. Um, what I'm wearing is I'm wearing my summer denim pink, uh, dusty pink yep. and a really casual, easy breezy V-neck t-shirt. And I have, uh, well, it's, it's chilly out in New York now. So, um, I, I, a sweatshirt, leopard print, but also it's very comfortable. Still pants, not yoga pants. So legit pants. Good. <laughs> And sneakers. It's I, it, I had a feeling it was going to be a long day, so it's comfortable. Good. Good. Probably the last wear out of out of the season summer pants. So. Dusty pink is a color, though. I think you can move into fall, perhaps, but I don't know. Eh, maybe not, not my style. I like I like this this light pink in the summer. How are you doing, and what are you wearing? I'm feeling good. We are recording a little late, but that's okay because you know we had we had a lot to do during the day, which is fine. Um, it is cooler outside now. The cooler weather is coming, so you, it's a harbinger of fall. Uh, I'm not hating that necessarily. Um, I am wearing. So here's the thing with my outfit. I feel like if I were a guy in LA, yeah, you look very LA today. Getting a kombucha kale celery <laughs> smoothie <laughs> in Abikini. This is what I'd be wearing. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. I am wearing a uh, chambray double-breasted blazer, mm-hmm. a, a, a t-shirt with a design that I actually designed, sweatpants, and my van sneakers, and Some funky socks there. my socks with dogs playing poker. <gasps> Look at that. Puppies on your socks, and they're bright green. <laughs> and they're bright green. So I, I think I have, I have that very L.A. look. That's how appropriate. So I am, I, I am, I'm enjoying it, and this is kind of my last summer. Right, like I feel it's like outfit. every time I put something on, like I put on a very skimpy, 
um, maxi dress this weekend. My friend was like, it's beautiful outside. And I walked out and I was like, oh my God, it's too chilly for this dress. I need I needed a light I needed a light jacket or a light shirt or something and I was like oh, summer's really over. I don't mind wearing a jacket. I mean I'm in denial. It's the middle of September and I'm still hanging on to it. So clearly summer has been over for two weeks. I just you know it's my favorite season. Sarah, think back to your first professional job. Was there a role model or a mentor that you had and what made them special? I had so many. I was very lucky from the get-go at the company that we talked about at our first job episode last week. Um, the creative director kind of took me under his wing. I had no design skills, no design education by the book. I was creative enough, and I'm, I'm really crafty, very good with my hands and an exacto knife. Um, so I learned so much on the job. But also he taught me things that I didn't appreciate at the time. Um, I mean, in, in previous episodes, this keeps coming up with us, probably because we have such a long history. But, you know, when we're talking about books, I talked about how I learned about who Louis Barragan is. We had a model. He told me to go paint it in Barragan style, so I learned who that is. So there was this uh, way that he was teaching me things, which I now I still hold very dear to my heart because I learned so much. And he didn't look at me as like, okay, she needs to learn how to do how to use Illustrator to get this job done. She, he saw some potential in a way that he wanted me to know who Baragon is, how to read a resume. So I started as an intern. They wanted me to do this internship thing for the next year. And I was, I was so young. This is like, you know, early 2000s. So there was no Indeed. It was monster.com back then. And there was no Behance or anything, no platforms for creatives. We were all bundled up with all the creatives and non-creatives together. And we posted a job for an internship that's unpaid. I went through hundreds of resumes. I printed everything. I looked at everything. I was like, this is not what I'm here to learn. I, uh, I took the job, as, again, mentioned in a previous episode, that I was, it was granted that it wasn't going to pay enough to have a nice lifestyle in New York City because I, I knew I had a lot to learn. And I was lucky for my parents to support me at the time. So from that perspective, I was like, I'm here to learn design. Why is this guy making me review resumes of other people? Like, I don't care. And I, I was so resentful. It took forever. We interviewed people. And it, that was just, for me, it was very upsetting because they wouldn't let me be creative and they would let me, make me do these like human resources things. There's this one incident where there was a resume with a tiny little painting on the corner. And this is, again, early 2000s. So design layouts and like resume, pre pre-formatted resume ideas were not floating freely around the web where you see everywhere now. So this guy put a tiny little painting on the corner. And I, I dismissed it. But then the creative director wanted to meet him. And I was like, sure. Like, clearly, you know, he wants to meet him. He meets him. We, the guy was a disaster. He had no creativity. He was just really tacky. I thought that thing was tacky, so I, I wasn't surprised. And so we would do this after every every time the interview we left, we would talk about like what we thought, and he was asking me questions, my opinions. So it wasn't that like I just like prepared the resumes for him to review. He wanted to have conversations about it around it. And I remember saying, well, you know, I dismissed it because of this tiny little stupid painting on the corner. And he's like, that's exactly why I wanted to meet him. 
And I was like, well, it's it, it's not thoughtful. He just dropped a tiny little painting on a corner of a thing. Like a giant painting. He made it stamp size and put it on a resume in a corner. It's like, I didn't care much for it. And he was like, you were right. And the beautiful thing about that interaction is he didn't just say, he said, he taught me to trust my gut when I look at something and if it didn't feel right. I realized that I, I like, you know, I was right. And that made me feel good of all of that experience. And to this day, I didn't, I was so, I was so bitter about that whole, like, whole resume thing for years. And then I had to start my own, on my own. I had to interview other people. I didn't have to wonder one second how to do it. I'd already done it before. The way that he was looking at me, in my opinion, is he didn't just want to teach me a couple of software tricks so I could design a bunch of logos for him. He saw something that he thought that was worth investing his patient time in that he taught me how to read people, how to read resumes, how to interview people, how to engage with people that you just met on the spot to give them a chance kind of thing. And I benefited from that. So considering I was young and so eager to advance out of the non-designer role, I was in a rush, but he saw something that he wanted to foster. And I I really appreciate that to this day because now I know how to read people. I know how to interview people. No one had to teach me that. He already gave me that experience. Um, But that wasn't the only thing he taught me. Like, I learned how to present things. I mean, you work with him. You understand, like, the type of, like, he, he he expects best out of everyone. But also there was, you know... Um, there's a lot of like downside to it a little bit like Devil Wears Prada parts of that experience where so there were you know there were setbacks in that dynamic I was I was expected to pay my dues and you know menial tasks that had nothing to do with becoming a larger uh, career towards a creative life but he did also give me all of those skill sets he did teach me how to look at a presentation he did teach me how to present things um, so Still very grateful. Do you think he was aware that he was being a mentor to you? I I think so. Even despite think, the negative aspects that yes. you had to deal with, he was aware that he was mentoring. I think like everybody else's experience with him was because they were, you know, employees versus a creative director. I was an employee, yes, but I came in not knowing anything. I came in straight in from the internship, not having enough design skills to be a designer, but I was there to learn. And that was the understanding when we signed my, you know, hiring contract that I was there to learn and grow. So I think that was a unique opportunity that, that they didn't have in mind because I was something that was different than all the other interns. And I really wanted to work there. Like I, if you listen to the last episode where I'm like, you walk up that elevator into that space. Yes. I just wanted to be there so bad. I would have done anything. So I didn't mind Open the locked. shirts and all of that. I didn't mind any of the menial tasks. I just... Um, so I, I also think that, yes, I think that he knew he was teaching me. I, in retrospect, after all these years, about, what, 18 years later, I can look back and say, I think he saw something that I didn't even have the foresight till about a couple of years ago, what he was doing with me back then. Um, he taught me a lot of things, but he also taught me how to be nicer to people who work for me because I don't want to make someone run into the bathroom and cry because I wanted lunch from a ridiculous place. Well, that he didn't teach you that. That was a lesson you learned. Uh, yeah, he didn't teach me that. He taught me a lot of things. That's right. And circumstances will teach you things, right? Like you've been in those positions where you like 
I don't want to feel this way. So I'm not going to make the next person feel this way. So I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, it is what it is. And I'm so grateful for everything he's taught me. I choose to do it in, in, a, in a more empowering way. And well, that's a lesson that I take. That the way that I pass it forward is I choose love and kindness and empowerment over anything else. What was your first role model like? Like, what did you learn from them? My first role model that I can really cite as being someone who was a significant influence in my life uh, started, there was that branding studio. Mm -hmm. uh, but I worked in fashion. It was a whole new world. Fashion is just a, it was just a world, even though I studied it, it was a world that I was just unfamiliar with professionally. And getting into a huge fashion corporation, trying to understand the dynamics of the certain uh, of certain players, and what my role was in the hierarchy of, of all these things was definitely overwhelming, and new to me. Um, but I can cite one person of significance that really influenced the trajectory of my perception of my own life, what it is to be a man, who I am in this industry, and. I didn't necessarily learn technical skills. I learned life skills. Yes. I agree. I think that's why I, I resonate with him is that he didn't teach me how to use Illustrator. He taught me how to read things, how to look at things, how to analyze things, a way of living versus versus how to use the software. That's like, who, can, who cares? Exactly. I mean, these things you could learn the technical by simply taking a class. At this point, watching a video. But at the time... Uh, the life lessons that I learned was how to interact with other people and how to be perceived by a larger a larger group of, of people in the, in the community, the fashion community that I was involved in. I remember the first time I was asked to go to an after work function and I was unprepared fashion wise of what the dress codes were. And I walked into a place where I simply was wearing a T-shirt uh, a rather crude T-shirt. Um, and oh, that's, oh, that's so <laughs> was uh, it a naughty graphic? No, but it was. Uh, you remember uh, Jeff McEffridge? He's the one rocking on your dime. Rocking on your dime. They, t you know, my professor in grad school kept bringing that up. Is like, oh, always remember that graphic. Always rock on in their dime. Yes. But yes, they probably didn't sit well with. with that the did not. That did not. It's so just I to remember give, that T-shirt. Just, just to give uh, you guys a, re a reference, it's a red. It's a red T-shirt with a red ground, and on the graphic itself is <laughs> a bear, a white bear, sitting at a bar with a scotch and a cigarette, <laughs> and the underneath caption says, "I am rocking on your dime." <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, that T-shirt. That T-shirt was love awesome. The but like. The, the, it was that that thing was so substantial now that in grad school when we we had this bespoke features class and this amazing amazing professor he just came up with a book Peter Lundenfeld I remember him saying like you know there's this graphic and like working on your dumb like oh my god I know what that is and he was trying to like give us the idea that you know you can take it a lot of ways you can say like you know you're buying me dinner or you can just think of it as you know you have this full-time job maybe it is not the most rewarding one but they have the capacity to allow you to accomplish more than if you were out on your own so like one path isn't better than the other kind of thing like you know always use these bigger companies to give them the opportunities because they have the money 
and rock on their dime. And I was like, oh my God, I know that t-shirt. <laughs> I didn't gleam, I didn't gleam that much uh, well, see, information like, at the time, of course. It was see, just a cool, thing, cool that's graphic. That's the beauty about it, right? Like it could go any way. But of course, if you're the executive of a company and your designer walks in wearing that, it's like right in your face. I'm rocking on your dime. Well, on the one hand, I, I think if you were, if you were the executive looking at, at, at someone wearing that t-shirt and you knew the reference, you'd think, Oh, what a cool guy. <laughs> what a cool well, guy. That is the dream executive. That would be, yeah, it would be. That was not the case for So, me. what happened? So, Someone warned you? Well, I just looked at, I, of course, you take the temperature of the room and you look around simply and you saw, I saw a lot of people in, in, in navy blazers uh, and dark wash jeans and uh, <laughs> the, the, the person who became a mentor was wearing a very, who was always impeccably dressed was wearing a navy turtleneck uh, with a with a navy blazer and dark wash jeans and I thought this is who I want to start emulating in life I want to start to not only be better but also look better appearances matter appearances do matter um, I'm not going to say unfortunately they just simply do matter they do you walk into a room, you, you demand the respect, you have to present yourself professionally. Of course. That does not mean that I expect the suit. I expect that there was care taken into how you present yourself. And subsequently, after after that experience, I started really... He became... He, he was my boss. So I just started really aligning myself with his aesthetic, his way of looking at life and he was and when i say he was a good mentor i mean in the sense that he came from a place of calm and understanding and mm. patience which well, is in rare. short supply these days these days anytime 20 anytime. years ago i was in short supply i didn't have that yeah so i, I said i tried to have that I try to have that now i do too um now that i'm in the position where i hire people or I just joined this mentorship program um, on Creative Huddle, um, which I mentioned a couple episodes past. It's a it's a, it's another platform for creatives to keep in touch and you know collaborate and get together and learn from each other. I, I took the role of a mentorship pro in in the program. I have two mentees. <laughs> That's just the word. It's like mentees. I have two guys that I I meet every other week to talk about what they want to accomplish or advice or portfolio advice or career advice kind of thing. Now that I'm in this position, I, I look back and, you know, I try to be patient, even with people who work for me. Always ask, what do you need to get this done instead of saying, why didn't you do this? It, it's less disparaging. It's more encouraging. It gives them the power to make up for what they did while still calling them out and saying, you messed up. I think that's... That's something I learned from another boss after grad school more recently um, through when I was working at Blackbook Magazine. We merged, we bought out this company, um, College Media Network, and the CTO from that company came on board and became my boss overnight. Never knew him before. He gave me an incredible raise as soon as he came on board because he realized the work I was doing was underpaid. And I was like, oh, my God, I already love you. Like, we started great. But also, he became a friend later in life, friend and still a mentor. Like, I always call him up when I need advice. Um, but also, the thing that most valuable thing he taught me is you are going to work with the people that you're given. You don't always going to be in a position where you get to choose who you work with. 
So then you have to make the best of it. And the team, if one person in a team fails, you make up for it because the team's work is about whether you succeeded or not. Because if the team doesn't succeed, it doesn't matter what your role was. If the project fails, it doesn't matter. There was this moment where I just like, I was doing the vibe uh, iPad version and I was waiting on the editors and I was like, listen, I did all the things that I was supposed to do. I'm waiting on the editors for this one last article. It's on them now. It's not on me. It's not on me. And he's like, it's not you or it's not them. It's us. You make sure you get that done and make sure the project is done for all of us. He didn't yell. He was, it was an email. And he wrote short emails. It was a very brief. And I'm like, learning these lessons, he taught me how to be a better team player and how to empower people. So that's really something that I, will, I wouldn't change for the world. When we get back, we will continue our conversation on mentors and role models. This is Gatsby Fridays. Sarah, can friends be mentors or can mentors be friends? What do you think? both i mean look at our look at our partnership here on this on this podcast we have 20 years of history clearly that we've been building on we've been raving about every episode but um there's a lot that every day that i learn from you when we talk about things and i think that comes with mutual respect and i think mutual mutual is the key word here I respect your opinions, but you also respect me enough to not to cut me down. Even when I'm unbearable or when I'm whiny or whatever it is. Like, you never um, you never dismiss what I have to say. And when you have an opinion, even if I don't agree, I listen to it. And then we either find a middle ground or we decide to move on one way or another. But there's this mutual understanding that both of our opinions matter. And that respect is what makes this... I still learn from you because I'm willing to hear it because I know that you respect my opinions I don't have to prove myself there's none of that when you have something to say I learn um, a, a very good example is right um, when this when the seed of this podcast was planted over a year ago at a bar in Brooklyn with our photographer friend um, I was I was whining about a personal relationship where you'd been listening to me about it for a long time now. And you didn't say, oh my God, I'm tired of listening to this. You just said, listen, you've been talking about this for a long time now. I'm going to tell you a story about my personal life. I think you need to change the narrative. This is how, how I handled that relationship. Do you understand the difference? Like for me, those like changed the narrative. Those two words have impacted my entire life since I've heard them because you didn't say oh my god stop whining I've heard this plenty of times what's new and I, I tend to be like snappy like that so like that the way that your personality flourishes that so like every day I learn when we talk about things before we record any episode we dive deep into philosophical conversations there's a lot that you you bring out in me that I don't talk about with other people. We get very nerdy about movies and books and art and museums and all this stuff. But that's the fun part. But the real stuff comes out because I respect what you have to say. And I'm, and I'm happy to hear your opinion. And I'm willing to learn from it. So then, from that perspective, yes. You're my friend, first and foremost. And I can learn from you because we have this understanding of, of a mutual respect to each other. 
because your opinion matters to me. I feel the same way about you. I think I, I, I'm really going to piggyback and mirror all the all the things that you've said and add that what we have been able to accomplish together has always been this forward momentum. And that forward momentum... I like that expression. Is, ...is what you... Is what the mentorship that you give me, if that if that makes any sense, it's what you, it's what I learn from you. Elaborate. Because if we were still in a situation where, and don't get me wrong, we're, we're hanging out, we're having a good time, and it's all and it's all great, but there comes a point in our lives, I think, that we really, in order to move the the relationship forward and to move our progression forward, we really needed to. St- think about what it meant what what you mean to me and what does that mean to our relationship and i think what we've always been able to do is have these conversations about art music film well do you remember the last lunch before we went into quarantine in bryant park no yes it was a nice beautiful weather and we were talking about like you know dystopic futures and and twelve monkeys. No one else in the world will have that conversation with me sitting in the middle of Bryant Park, referencing a movie that is not even that popular, like maybe in normal you know like non sci sci fi people lives. And I'm not even a sci fi person. I love that movie. I keep remembering that scene, and we talk about it, and like that's and we can talk about that for thirty minutes. That's really rare. Yes. And that is, I think, because we also have different perspectives and we're such unique people. But yes, what we talk about has always been, always been just not about one thing or another, which is why I think the podcast was the next natural step for us. Hello, and welcome back to Gatsby Fridays. Sarah, how much influence should a mentor have in a life, in securing work, in securing a job? What should you do and how much should you be involved? That's a good question. It's, um, I think it brings up that whole uh, sentiment about don't meet your heroes, they'll disappoint you kind of thing. I think since I've been in a position to learn from others in the last 20 years of my career, I can say, you know, your mentors are people. They're not perfect. They have mistakes. They are human. So they have their faults and they have their their highlight moments so just manage your expectations they're not going to change your life i mean maybe you're one of those lucky people that all of a sudden like they have this one impact that changes your life but in general you can't expect them to find you jobs you can't expect them to change your life actively you have to be the one that seeks out things out of them i was there in a position where i was ready to learn anything that was thrown at me i was so hungry for learning and to advance and become a solid designer that I was ready to listen to anyone who offered me any help that I initiated that conversation I was receptive to it but at the same time I'm in a position now like I mentioned before uh, to be a mentor and I have two two people assigned to me by the by creative huddle and one of them we had our first initial call and she's, I'm like, so what do you see? What what are you looking to get out of this interaction? And she says, I, I, I just graduated. I need a job. It's like, okay, great. I will help you with your questions and however you need help with. 
but, you know, in the meantime, think about how else I can help you. A week later, I get this email and be like, oh my god, I just got this offer to this position, and, like, and they ask me what my day rate is. I don't know what my day rate is. What is a day rate? How do I price myself? How do I position myself in a way that I don't undervalue or overvalue to scare them away? And I'm like, well, welcome to the lifelong struggle of being freelance creative. I mean, I just had a same conversation with a potential client yesterday, a conversation about reassuring my value. And so my answer is I can't tell her how much she can charge. It's not my place. But I can, what my role would be, which is what I did, is I said, listen, so this company, you can research what a salary designer at your level is making because there's enough enough surveys and documentation out there to just glean some information. You don't, you don't need someone's actual salary information. Just a general, if you see three resources, you kind of gauge the medium and you figure it out. And then you decide, like, you know, that you understand that they when it's a salary information that they get benefits and you wouldn't be getting them what does a rate day rate mean because when it's a day rate you're not being paid by the hour so what happens after an eight hour work day does that count as a half day what about weekends you have to ask a lot of questions because it's not just one day rate that you're offering them and I think um, even just organizing those thoughts and telling her what to do over email it was a very long email I had to write because I realized I have a lot to say because this girl's like someone wanted me to give them a rate I want this job. We all want the job. Clearly, they're offering you the job. They just want to know your day rate. They already have decided to hire you, so be comfortable. But even that, like, it's not my place to tell her, charge this much money per day. I can just always tell her to say, ask questions, understand what you're getting to, and expect more from them because they're always going to negotiate you down. But stand up for your value without coming off arrogant it's a very delicate balance and those are the things I can pass on to someone else so the influence that I have isn't I she's like I need a job I'm like I can't find you a job something happens to come up and I see that there's an opportunity and I know she's working of course I can put the two new together but I'm not a headhunter I'm not there to secure a job for her so I don't think that's the role of the mentor but the, the, what I can teach her is, isn't even how to price herself, but how to value her offerings, her talent, and her time, and manage those relationships because that's a delicate balance that I still struggle to this day. So based on that experience. So from that perspective, no, the influence is not about a specific incident or an opportunity. It's more about how to handle yourself. The way that you phrased it earlier on where... You learn how to be a person, and that's what I can offer. And I think that's more valuable than, say, oh, I got you a job. What do you think? I struggle sometimes with how much influence and how, of an effect you have on a person. You should, how much advice should be given to secure work? I think it's not in, in my place to secure work for someone, but... Obviously, it's it's about it's about leading and leadership and trying to guide someone into the best version that they can be, show themselves to a potential client or a potential job. And I think that's that's as much influence I can give someone I'm mentoring to make sure that I guide them correctly enough to be the best version of what they need to be to secure the work. 
Yeah, I mean, I can see that. It's um, so basically, I helped her secure the job by giving her tools to negotiate for herself, right? Yes. Um, the other mentor that I was assigned is not at that level, and she needs help with her portfolio, right? Like it's different. She will secure the job by getting a better portfolio. She probably also needs some negotiating skills, but she's not at that level yet. So what she needs help with is putting together her portfolio first. So I can help with that. But that's also challenging because, you know, I look at this portfolio and I'm like, she needs a lot of help. And finding that balance, it's, it's a rewarding experience for me to be in this position after I, I and I feel like, I feel very strongly about this, that you are going to be a mentee forever. As long as you live, there's something you can learn from someone else. And I'm always willing to hear other people's feedback to me. I can tell this young lady how to put together her portfolio in a way that will speak to the person who's reviewing it. I have been in that position. I look at portfolios. And so she needs some help. But also, you know, she made certain decisions that I don't agree with already that I need to be very kind instead of saying, well, you did it wrong. And say, why do you think you did it this way? I think it's, yes, securing the job by putting her portfolio together, but it's also showing her why she needs to change the way she builds her portfolio, How, wh what the logic is. She may not agree with me. She may not use it, but I think I would be doing her a disservice. So when I say, like, kindly, I don't mean hand-holding and say, oh, I think you're doing great. I need to show her somehow, and that's the challenge that I'm in right now, to be able to say this without disparaging her without breaking her spirit and saying okay I see what you've done here but why do you think I'm not responding to it why do you think that you this might need a change what do you think about that type of approach kind of thing so that changes how you secure work by building confidence while doing that feedback let's take a break and when we get back we'll talk lessons learned <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to Gatsby Fridays. Alex, what are three lessons that you can list for me right now that you've learned from others throughout your career? Pay or life, actually. Or life, yeah. So these are more life lessons than, I think, just lessons that I've learned, luckily, through mentor, mentors and people who've influenced me. Um, you always have more creative reserves than you think you do. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. I could use that this week. You absolutely, I think you do. I think uh, I've, been in, I've been in many situations where I don't think I have the capacity to either think anymore or come up with any new ideas. And for some reason, usually late at night. Always late at night. Something kicks in. Um, but that said, give yourself enough rest for your mind to work uh, to get that. So that's, that's lesson number one. Uh, second, always pay attention to presentation. Oh, yeah. That's what we learned at the same time. That is time. like, I'll say it three times. Presentation, presentation, presentation. <laughs> always pay attention to presentation. Pay attention to how your work is perce perceived, how you show your work, and how your work is going to be displayed in any medium displayed how the the viewer is going to be receiving it what the experience of them unfolding that experience exactly yeah exactly. absolutely i'm stealing that one for one of my threes and the third 
Don't underestimate playing to the whims and the dreams of a potential client. Indulge them. Tell me more about that because I get very like strong-headed and be like, whatever. <laughs> Tell me more. Everyone, uh, it's been my experience to know that everyone, when you're going into a situation where you're either securing work or working on a project, everyone wants their ideas to be highlighted and want to, wants their ideas to be known. I think the advice that I, I would give to someone I'm mentoring is really pay attention to the room. And this is advice that I've given before on the podcast and take the temperature and read the room and play into the hopes and dreams of the people that you are trying to sell to. Yeah, we didn't we cover that in the how to hustle yourself yes. episode. How it to hustle still you holds your true. Work. Yeah. Um, what about you, Sarah? For me, I think I've learned from. Well, I, I mentioned already a few lessons along the way of this episode, but I think the most important thing for me has been that I am a. I, I'm a more of a carrot than a stick kind of person, so I respond to when people are more supportive and I realized that in a roundabout way where in grad school in group critique I didn't even realize what I was doing that I kept shutting everyone's ideas down so the instructor literally yelled at me in front of the entire group at age 26 you think you're an adult and you're being yelled at like a kid in front of everyone else it's it still infuriates me to this day that how that was handled but you know what she was trying to teach me a lesson I will never forget that not pleasantly but it, it made a way. So for me, um, understanding that that wasn't the only way to teach me that lesson. She could have just put me aside after class and say, listen, compliment sandwich me. This is the, the, these are the things that you're good at, but you've been doing this repetitively and it's not conducive to the class. And I would be like, oh my God, thank you so much. But embarrassing me in front of the class did not help. Or putting me down in front of other people. So for me, when I give feedback... Design is personal work. We all hold it so dearly to hearts because it comes from our like bones and blood almost that I want to make sure that the feedback that I do, the lessons that I teach other people come out with kindness and empowerment. Loving kindness and empowerment. And I know it sounds like all hippie yoga stuff, but it's it's true. And I've, I feel like I'm where the tide turns, where I can pay, pay it forward with kindness. I have learned a lot of lessons, hard way or not. The lessons that I choose to teach are always going to be by saying, instead of why did you do it this way, and say, what do you need to do it the right way? So that empowers the other person. It, it doesn't blame them for doing it wrong. It points out that they made a mistake, but expecting them that they are good enough to make up for it. And that's something that I really learned from bad experiences, not by mentorship. Um, I'm going to steal that presentation thing because you and I are on the same page on that. How you present yourself matters. What you wear, how your work is perceived, how you put yourself out there, what you say at any moment, which is why this podcast has been challenging in a way because all of a sudden like things that I can blurt out in private that I'm like, is that is that the right way to say things? Because I want to make sure that my ideas are communicated clearly without offending anyone because that matters. So presentation and thoughtfulness. I don't know a third one, I think. Um, I was actually going to steal yours for the lessons <laughs> for, for the, the lessons that I would want to impart. And really, I mean, you've said it you've said it very concisely. Lead with love, kindness. And I would also throw in there understanding. Yes. 
and maybe even adoration. I know that was a fourth, hmm. but um, no, that's true. But I feel like it's important to to impart love. I think. Okay, I agree with that one. All right. Okay, so we're gonna wrap it up with love. <laughs> <laughs> now let's move on to our favorite part of this in every episode: our signature cocktail. Alex, what do you have? So what I was thinking was we were talking about mentors and we were talking about role models. And I thought to myself, what would be a good drink to kind of bridge those two concepts together? And I thought if you were at a bar and you were with your mentor, what would you order? And I think you need to think about the past. You need to think about a drink that has some relevance and you need to think about a drink that the bartender would actually pause on. And that would be a Brandy Alexander. Tell me more about that. I think there's a song named Brandy Alexander. I think it's by Feist. <laughs> <laughs> or Florence and the Machine. I'm not sure which one. Somewhere I along love that, Feist. Like, like, I haven't heard them in forever. So I think there's a Brandy Alexander song I've heard. I think that's the first time I've heard it. I thought it was a song. I didn't know it was a cocktail. And This was like 15 years ago or 10 years ago. Maybe somewhere along those lines. The Brandy Alexander is actually a good cocktail for the for the changing season. It's a little oh. bit warm. It's a little bit nutty. And I think it, it's a good fall cocktail. We've transitioned from a lot of cocktails that were a spring and summer. Like the, you know, the French 75 and, and all the cocktails that we've spoken about. But this one is a good one to enter the season with. And the ingredients are one part uh, cognac, one part dark rum creme, and one ounce of cream, and you garnish with nutmeg. Oh, that sounds fancier than our usual. I like it, and, and I don't know if you've, if you've had it. I've never had one. So you want this to be like what you, so you know what to order when you're out with your mentor? Exactly. So when you're when you're out with your mentor and, and they're thinking about, you know, I don't want the typical... Cosmo or or gin and tonics. What, what is a cocktail? I love a gin. I, I love a gin. I, I, I love a, a, a you know a gin and tonic. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny so a gin and tonic. Gin and tonic I, I would order, order a gin and tonic. Soda, but but if you want to impress your mentor, okay. you order a Brandy Alexander. That's what All I was right. thinking. And if you have a mentee, you teach them how to order Brandy Alexander. Thank you for hanging with us for a list of resources mentioned in this episode. Hop onto our site, GatsbyFridays.com. You can find a recipe for Brandy Alexander on our website, GatsbyFridays.com. For show notes or if you want to leave comments, suggest a show topic, get us out on our site. Don't forget to rate us and give us five stars. Write a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps and get us in front of more ears and build our audience. Or if you're a Spotify person, make sure to follow us at Gatsby Fridays. Or on Instagram, follow us on at Gatsby Fridays. Stay with us on our next episode. We start a series about historical figures turned into pop culture icons. And we honor Ruth Bader Ginsburg in our first ever pop culture legacy episode. And And this this is Gatsby Gatsby Fridays. Fridays.